Ready to record the podcast, Connor turned to his microphone and said, You are listening to a podcast of spurious morality. (laughs) At which point the theme tune started to fade in. Welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Connor, and today I'm joined by Johnston. Hello. And Jimmy. Hey. And uh, we're here to talk about um, what has been one of my favourite parts of Big Finish since I I first heard them. Um, It's some of, just some of the uh, First Doctor early adventures. Um, So we're going to focus mainly in on the... Uh, sort of connected miniseries they did a few years ago, um, starting with the Dalek Occupation of Winter, and then move on, I think, to some of our, uh, I think we have maybe a favourite each picked um, from the range. Um, So let's begin then with the Dalek Occupation of Winter. Um, Maybe even before we do that, actually, what what do we think of of the series that they did as a whole? Um, Because it was the first time that they had done uh, a connected series in the early adventures you know the the previous ones had all been um standalone as such um they had never you know linked them up in in each year before um what did you think whenever it was announced that they were going to do a 60 style series with the early adventures uh jimmy i thought that it was a good idea i think um the audios in the Companion Chronicles, for example, you did get some sort of linkage in the, you know, Oliver Harper trilogy or the Sarah Kingdom trilogy, but usually the stories were pretty standalone. And so I thought there was an interesting opportunity there in leading from each to the next and any possible interconnections between them. So, yeah, I was definitely keen to see how they handled it. And what about you, Johnston? I was, I have to admit, actually, I was a little bit disappointed when the news, uh, when it was first announced. Not so much because of what it was, but kind of because of what it meant. You know, in the previous series, we had uh, Susan and Ian uh, and recast Barbara. Uh, We'd had a couple of Sarah Kingdom adventures and we'd lost that. And I think when that announcement came, we kind of knew it was because uh, William Russell and Jean Marsh were sort of no longer able to record or chosen to not do anymore so it kind of signaled that um at the same time though i was quite excited um this this series alone pretty much doubles the number of episodes i think it more than doubles the number of episodes that Stephen and vicky are actually in together um and i'm glad that that kind of got fleshed out because it kind of feels it feels a bit rushed sort of end of series two sort of season two start of season three there's sort of big cast turnovers and actually Stephen and Vicky don't really get that much time together so it was nice to sort of see that happening and them getting this mini series I definitely have to agree um Stephen and Vicky make such a great team and having heard them so much together in the companion chronicles you almost forget how little they had on tv together and so yeah, it's always great to see Big Finish expanding it, and now they've got such a long time together, it sort of fits a bit better between the other TARDIS teams. And so, yeah, I think it's a really great dynamic they have. I I, I always thought that uh, Peter Purvis and uh, Maureen O'Brien were the strongest pairing um, out of all of those on audio, um, on uh, you know, in the in the uh, early adventures rather. Um, so I was I was very pleased to see. You know that they were going to do the whole series like this, and I liked as well that it was a change. Um, it wasn't redoing the same format that they had done in years previous. It was doing something a little bit different. Um, but it was as as Johnson said, it was it was a, a 
tinged with sadness and a little bit of disappointment that um, we weren't going to get any more with uh, William Russell and uh, Jean Marsh. Um, but let's start then with, we'll, we'll move on then into the Dalek occupation of winter, which is possibly one of the strongest audios Big Finish have done, um, certainly one of the strongest Dalek ones. Um, what did we think of, of this one and what do we think of the Daleks? being introduced into the early adventures because it is it's I've, I've just checked there now it is the first um early adventure that the daleks appeared in and um, jimmy tell us what you thought of the dalek occupation of winter i thought it was a really great story i um i was a bit surprised to see them using the daleks i thought you know hartnell had such great dalek stories on tv even the chase which was a bit silly and weird had the wonderful ending for barbara and Ian and the introduction of Stephen, and so I thought, you know, they've got a lot to live up to, but man, they absolutely, absolutely shattered it. It was um, such an amazing story. Everyone characterised so well the dynamic of the team and the the society they landed in was just so well portrayed, so interesting. It was, um, you know, to see this society that thinks the dialects are their friends and their allies and you know, really, they're just basically a farm for slaves and it's it really dark. I thought, you know, Hartnell already had the Dalek master plan on TV and, you know, that was already one of the darkest Dalek stories and this sort of almost upstaged it a little bit. I mean, it's really horrific what happens in this society and how it works and the author, David K. Downs, just portrayed it so brilliantly. I... Yeah, I was just in awe. I think that story really blew me away and made an excellent start to the season. And Johnson, what did you think of the Dalek occupation of winter? I mean, it takes it takes a concept that has been done before in Doctor Who uh, on TV and in Big Finish, actually. Uh, but the way it handles it, the way it presents it, is probably the best version of this story there is. Um the thing that I'd sort of compare it closest with would be uh, a monthly range story that came out, I think it was about a year later, which was Emissary of the Daleks. Same sort of thing, but Emissary um, just doesn't quite uh, do it as well. Uh, what we have in the Dalek Occupation of Winter is just a, it's a story that sort of immediately sets out that it's going to be a dark story, it's going to be downbeat, um, it's sort of it's fitting that it's ending isn't an upbeat one it's sort of dark all the way through and it kind of ends really with the Doctor, Stephen and Vicky having done absolutely nothing the Daleks are temporarily defeated but it just, it ends as if they're just going to pick up where they were at the start and actually the travellers arriving there didn't do anything um, and I think we should actually probably have more stories like that. I think that the idea that everywhere the Doctor goes, things are automatically changed for the better merely by his presence uh, does get a bit tiring. And considering that's 99.9% .9 of Doctor Who, um, it's it's always good to just have something that slightly deviates from that. Um, it's good to see scheming, manipulative Daleks. We do like scheming, manipulative Daleks. Um, Hartnell never got a story like that. In you know, Hartnell's Dalek stories, the Daleks were always just ruthless tanks full of hatred that killed anything they came across. It wasn't until we get to the power of the Daleks that the Daleks suddenly start to scheme and that sort of thing. And I think that uh, it's good that we've got a first Doctor story with more manipulative Daleks now. Yeah, I really like. Um, I, I I like an awful lot about this story. I do like, as you say, um, it it feels very very similar to those uh, uh, scheming manipulative stories. Um, I think winter itself feels very very tangible, and I don't know whether it's a combination of, or, or rather, I think it is a combination of, um, the sound design, um, and the narration and the music as well. They're all excellent. Um, and I, I never, ever have any issues with visualizing winter as this very distinct place. Like, I think I maybe have a stronger idea of it in my head than any other Big Finish location. Um, that's really well done. And it's not just the Daleks in this um, 
because because of the way the story set up, because you have the Daleks sort of living among this human colony, um, you get some really really great human villains in here as well. Um, I think my favorite is Majorian, um, because he's the way he's written and performed. He has such a convincing style that even we as as listeners know that he's a villain and a wrong one. Um, when he's telling Vicky, he sort he spends a wee bit of a yarn to Vicky about. Um, being prisoners of the Daleks, being you know, or him having his suspicions of them being awful, terrible creatures, and not the benefactors, um, that he is presenting them to the public as, um, and I, I always find myself when I'm listening, even though it's been previously revealed that he's not a very good character, not a very good person, I always find myself getting drawn into a story and believing it in the same way that Vicky does. It's really, really well done. Um, so, so yes, I, I, I agree. I think possibly this is a case of the series starting on a high. Um, I think it's maybe my favorite in the series. Um, but that's not to say, cause the others are all, you know, those, the other, the others in the series are all excellent as well, but this one always sticks out in my head as something very, very special. Um, are we good to move on then? Um, or is there anything else we'd like to say about this one? Um, just in regards to being the best of the series, this is such a good series, it's very, very difficult to call. Dalek Occupation of Winter is definitely a contender, but so are two of the other four stories, so or the other three stories. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how we reflect on them. I love the season, but for me, I think it's actually a really easy choice for the best. And I'm sorry, Dalek Occupation of Winter is brilliant, but... Crash of the UK 201 beats it easily for me, but we'll get to that when we get to that story. Absolutely fair enough. Um, We'll move on then to the second in the series, which is An Ideal World, um, which I've always quite liked. Um, What about you, Jimmy? For me, it was the worst of the season, and um, I I have to say that that doesn't mean it's terrible. I I loved the first three quarters of it. They did a really brilliant job setting up this interesting world, and the politics of the factions on the ship that are coming down there and trying to change it and really great dynamic with the Doctor and Vicky and Stephen and especially with Vicky and the Doctor when the Doctor thinks he's dying and he's scribbled all these instructions for the TARDIS in his book and it's just a complete illegible nonsense and Vicky's just, just like, oh, that I'm sure that'll be very helpful and trying to calm him down and it was so sweet. I absolutely loved the first three quarters of this story. And then came episode four. I absolutely hated it. I've got to be blunt. It um, was a massive letdown. The whole political or ethical argument at the end was really a nonsense. You've got these this monstrosity um, of a sort of um, hive mind thing, and all it's said at this point basically is that it wants to consume, consume. And the doctor's like, oh, no, that's totally morally and ethically equivalent of a normal human and a real human, and you have to, um, you basically have to give yourself up to it. And they're like, no, we, we humans have our individuality. And he's like, oh, yeah, but you're not a blood cell, but you have blood cells, so therefore you're totally morally equivalent of this monster. And it was just such a nonsensical and stupid argument. I, It absolutely shattered my, I'd previously really enjoyed the story, but it, that last episode absolutely ruined it and made it the worst of the season for me. I'm sorry, but yeah, massive disappointment. Probably the worst early adventure of at least of the first Doctor Ones, in my opinion. And uh, Johnston, what did you think? Um, it's it's by no means a bad story. Nothing in this series is a bad story at all. But it's I would have to call it the weakest uh, by quite some way. And yeah, I do think that it's kind of let down a bit by that last quarter. Um, there's a lot to enjoy in there. There is some great stuff between Vicky and the Doctor, um, as Jimmy said. But yeah, just it's it doesn't sort of. I don't have the same enthusiasm for it as I have for the other three in this series. But it's it's never one that I'll skip when going through the early adventures. I've I've always had a wee bit of a soft spot for it. Um, I I th- I think I I do quite like what Ian Potter um usually does from what I've heard of his work. Um, and I I compare this one most often to um the Bounty of Series. 
um, which was the first Stephen and Vicky early adventure, I think. Um, so he takes... Doctor Who usually has quite a soft feel to its science fiction elements. It's often more science fantasy than science fiction. Um, but I, I quite like what he does where he slightly hardens it and it has the feel of a, 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 a more... Uh, a more serious I, I think his work often has the, the feel of a more serious and and um, for want of a better term highbrow um, science fiction story um, and and I, I really like I really I really really like that um, it, it it happens in the Bounty of Series where he goes into um, or, or he, he takes an effort to make the science elements feel plausible if not maybe entirely based in fact. So it's still speculative, it's still based on on imagination. Um, I don't know that you could tie any of it into actual science or any sort of specific theory, but there's thought put into making it feel plausible and that little bit more realistic maybe. Um, and he does that as well here. There's an awful lot, it, it spends an awful lot of time going into what it might actually mean to colonise a planet where... You know, how many times in Doctor Who do they land on an alien planet, open the doors and step out into a breathable atmosphere? You know, that's not the case on this world. They 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 come out and it's only breathable because it's mid-terraforming and it's only a temporary effect. You know, the Doctor and Vicky and, and Stephen all end up in, in difficulty because the oxygen's being drained out of the atmosphere. Um, So I really, really like that feel to it. Um. I, I I also really like that it sort of takes Stephen and Vicky back closer to their time and lets them use their knowledge from their life before the TARDIS with regards to space medicine and the technocytes, which ultimately save the Doctor's life. That's a really, really well done little sequence. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, I've always enjoyed this one. I certainly wouldn't call it the weakest in the series from my point of view. Um, but, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I like it, is the upshot of all that. Um, I, I do actually have to jump in here with what you were saying because I do feel a little bad about um, what I said about the story. So I will say Bounty of Series I absolutely loved. And so it's nothing against the writer. I think Bounty of Series was the absolute best of the first season of Early Adventures. And so I have nothing but praise for it. So... Yeah, I just wanted to say that, yeah, the author does brilliant in the range. It's just, unfortunately, this particular story wasn't as good as his last one to me. But, yeah, I loved the Bounty of series, and I just had to mention that. Okay. And we'll move on then to Entanglement, which is the third in the series. Um, Tell us what you thought of that one, Jimmy. Yeah, that was another really good one. I think it made such an interesting story, I think, I loved the setting, this weird old college and how everything's going not quite right and the students are a terror more than students usually are and the doctor having to try to be a professor and then you've got the dynamic between the actual professors and you're wondering which ones are evil, which ones aren't, what's going on and the reveal at the end that they're all bad, they're just bad in different ways and you're not actually helping yourself by helping one or the other, you need to stop them all and I think that the dynamic of the story was really well handled. I loved the TARDIS team in this. And I think Vicky especially shined in the bits where she was stuck in that sort of parallel university sort of side reality with one of the professors and they'd both forgotten who they were. And yet, you know, she's not for essentially, she's not essentially Vicky, but she manages to still be Vicky. If that makes sense. She's like, she doesn't know who she is, but she is just, you absolutely recognise it as this This is Vicky, this is what Vicky would be like and I think Maureen O'Brien really shined in her portrayal of those scenes in particular and for me they were one of the real highlights of the story but, yeah, I loved it all, the whole dynamic and I think all of the TARDIS team got a really good part in it and so, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Johnston, uh, Entanglement, what did you think? It's It's the fun one of the series. And uh, we didn't really get a lot of fun in the early adventures. A lot of it was, you know, as we've mentioned, sort of fairly sci-fi. And there was, you know, there was a lot of alien worlds and 
you know, big, big concepts, big ideas. And actually, I'm really glad that in the middle of this series, there is this sort of very enjoyable, fun story that takes a poke at, you know, elitism and all that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's just thoroughly enjoyable. Um, it's There are some just amazing scenes in there. We've already mentioned uh, the doctor as, as a professor and just not coping with a room full of students at, at all. Um, it's yeah, it's great. It's fun. Um, it's it's an outside choice, but this is on certain days perhaps the one that I would call the highlight of the run. Uh, in terms of just outright quality, it's not the best. But what it's doing, it's nice and different. It's one that really, really stands out in not just this series, but this range. The entire early adventures range doesn't have anything else quite like this. It sort of uh, reminds me of um, some of the uh, the past Doctor Adventures, the books. I can imagine this one being a book and working quite well. Um, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyable, really good stuff. I I it's uh, I had gone into this thinking this is the one that I'm perhaps not so fond of out of them all. It's not to say I don't like it because I do. I think it's very good. I just don't think it's maybe just as strong or as standout as the other ones, but. Listening to the two of you talk about it, I'm not 100% sure that I agree with my own opinion anymore um, because I'm remembering more and more about it, um, just hearing you talk about it. So yes, I really like the feel of the Doctor as a professor. The scene where he tries to run a lecture is very funny. I do, I, I, I do like, as you as you mentioned, the, the, the idea of the Doctor and um, as, as a professor. Um, I think it suits the first Doctor and uh, William Hartnell's Doctor very, very well. Um, I can absolutely see him in that sort of environment. Um, the scene where he tries to sort of marshal the lecture and marshal the students is as well very, very funny. It's exactly how I think it would have gone if you put the doctor in a, in charge of a room full of students. He's absolutely not going to keep control of them. But um, I, 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 one, one of my very first um, experiences of classic Doctor Who as well was um, the, the novelization of Shada. And I've always really, really liked the setting of St. Sed's College from it. Um, and this is sort of similar because it's it's an old Cambridge college with some you know very very kooky characters in it. Um, I like the sort of battle between the different uh, professors, but what I love is that the Doctor and Co back the wrong horse, and it ends up that they have backed um, the villain of the story. I love that reveal. I love the way that all plays out. Um, that's really, really well done. I do also have to say it has one of the nicest covers Big Finish have ever done. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and it's it's just this really, really lovely uh, piece. The colours, um, and you know the, the the blood red circle in the middle of you know the sort of sepia toned image of Cambridge. I love it so much. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, is there anything else we'd like to add about that one, or shall we move on to? The last in the re- in the last in the series, I um, I think it's also one of those stories that could only be told with the Doctor it has in it. Um, you know, the, there are there are various sort of schools of thinking in terms of when you write Doctor Who, do you have to very 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 specifically zero in on the Doctor that you're writing for, or can you just write it and it's fine, the Doctor is the Doctor. Um, I think this one is one where we're very, very much just in first Doctor territory. I don't think this story would work with any other Doctor. Um, it's, it, you know, the way the first Doctor reacts to situations, handles situations, um, is pretty unique. And I think that really shows in this one. Um, and it's all the better for it. No, absolutely. Um we have the last then in the series, which is, I, I, while I said that, that um, uh, the Dalek occupation of winter is my favourite, I think this there's an argument to be made that this is the strongest um, of them all because I absolutely love what it does for Vicky and I love what it does for Maureen O'Brien as well. Um, but I can get into that in a little while. Um, Jimmy, tell us what you thought of it first. I really loved it, and I think I'd go as far as to say that it's even probably my favourite first Doctor story from Big Finish. Um, it just 
well, it really does such a great job with Vicky. And it's a surprise for me that it is my favourite story from the first Doctor for Big Finish because I actually don't really like the early adventures format that much. I loved the Companion Chronicles where you get inside the Companion's heads and you hear their perspective on everything as they narrate it. And I think it was real shame to lose that when they moved to the early adventures. And so the fact that I love this story this much, despite not liking the format, says it all for me. And what a story. I mean, it's a, a new series-esque Dr. Light almost. I mean, he's in the first episode for a few seconds, um, barely in the second until like the last scene. And sorry, not in the second and barely in the third until the last scene. And then he gets his bigger role in the finale. But Stephen and Vicky just shine. I mean, Vicky gets to live this whole other life. And, you know, it's wonderful seeing her get these opportunities and not lose her family. And then everything absolutely goes downhill. Like she loses her father, she loses her husband, she loses her kids, tries to fix it, loses them again in different ways, breaks her father's heart by not saving his friends. She just, Vicky goes through absolute hell in this story. And at the same time, you've got Stephen who's popping in and out of her life and not getting to live his own and just constantly disappearing and reappearing and having all these troubles. And, yeah, it's just such a brilliant character piece, like primarily for Vicky, but I, I would argue Stephen also gets a little bit there. And, yeah, the life Vicky leads, it's just so endlessly fascinating and seeing her go through all this, all this trouble and strife and having to make the decision to go back to her life with the Doctor and. I loved that at the ending, the little conversation at the end between her and the Doctor and how, you know, you'd expect the first Doctor who all, you can't change history, not one line, to be, you know, to be that, how dare you have done this? But instead he's like, you did what anyone would do. He was so compassionate to her in that moment. Like, you did what anyone would do. Anyone would try to save those lives. You, you were trying to do a good thing. And you did do a good thing when you changed your mind and fixed things and the strength of your character. and. I just loved that. I, I, I'm an absolute sucker for scenes where the Doctor and the Companion get to bond like that, and that was a brilliant ending to a brilliant story for me. I absolutely loved it. No, I totally agree. Um, Johnston, what did you think of The Crash of the UK 201? Um, it's exceptional, isn't it? It, it? it really is. Just using the, the entire format of the early adventures, using the fact that Vicky's a character that's mostly unexplored on screen. We get this really strong sort of character-driven two-part story that she's introduced in The Rescue, and then it's just kind of left there. She just carries on and is a bit of a generic companion. You know, we know she's from the future. There are occasional lines like, oh, the Beatles play classical music, that kind of thing. But we never really get to explore Vicky. She's a character we know very little about and I think this sort of it's kind of a new series story but done with 60s cast and characters and I I just think it works so incredibly well it's from the first moment sort of sets out that it's going to be something very different very special uh, something that's a million miles away really from 60s Doctor Who and it, it runs with it and it works. Um, it's full of great little scenes. It's, you know, I think Jimmy's mentioned most of them already, but there are just the bits about how, you know, Vicky's life still kind of goes out of control later on and, you know, losing a father and all that kind of thing. It's just so well put together. And it's great that you essentially get to see what Vicky's life would have been had she never met the doctor. Um, and it's, you know, like I said about Dalek Occupation of Winter, it's a story that's been done before. Uh, Turn Left did it. But um, this just works so incredibly well. And I think it's particularly effective um, because the Doctor's barely in it. And it it's not the Doctor's story. It's Vicky's story to a lesser extent. It's a Stephen story as well. Um, but the Doctor's absence is sort of really heavily felt. Um, in the same way that it is in turn left. Um, yeah, really, really good story and definitely a strong contender for best in this run. But as I've already said, it's pretty difficult to pick because the quality is just so high. 
I I think it's I think it's excellent. Um, it is I think a sort of classic Who or sixties Who take on Father's Day. Um, with you know, but but with Vicky instead of Rose, um, but it goes more and more into the consequences of changing history than I think, um, Father's Day does. So it goes more into the consequences, um, or 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 how the timeline would play out differently, um, uh, than than it did in Rose's case. Um, I I love the struggle between Vicky and time itself. Um, and I love stories that do that, where time resists being changed. Um, so Vicky tries, you know, to to save her father, but he still ultimately dies in a pretty horrible way, you know. And every time she tries to change history, it's like her life gets a little bit worse, and it's time sort of trying to stop itself being changed or or not 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 agreeing with the changes that she wants to make. Um, so that that's a really really interesting story, and it's really really well it's it's put across really really well. Um, I I love what this does as well for Maureen O'Brien because she's absolutely phenomenal in this. She she doesn't often I think as Vicky get to stretch her acting muscles in the way that this lets her do, and it's an absolute revelation. Um, because. You know, by getting to do a wee bit of a different take on her character than she ever has been able to do before, and by getting to explore more of Vicky's life and what more of what her life could have been, um, and you know what what Vicky would be like having a family, what Vicky w- would be like, you know, as an elderly lady, she rises to the challenge and she's absolutely brilliant. I cannot sing her praises enough. Um, it's 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 it's. It's brilliant and it's great as well to hear her in the likes of the Ninth Doctor Adventures again, simply because she's getting to do something differently from Vicky, and 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 again rises to that challenge and and gets so much more to do, I think than than she usually does. So this was this was fantastic. Um, for that I I can't I actually I I genuinely can't sing its praises enough. Um. That brings us then to the to the end of of that series, um, that 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 um, uh, early advent that that connected run of early adventures. Um, looking back then, I think I think it's a wee bit of a pity that the second Doctor never got something similar. They never did a similar run of stories with the second Doctor, Jamie and Zoe, for example, um, which I was genuinely excited for and hoping they would do the next year, but it, it unfortunately didn't happen. Um. I I while I like what Big Finish are doing now with the nineteen sixties era of Doctor Who, I I definitely miss the early adventures. Um, is that something you'd both agree with, or would you have uh, a different opinion on the matter? Well, for me, I think as I said, the early adventures I didn't really like the format. I think for me, actually, in terms of the early adventures, the one that stood out in the but isn't first doctor is the black hole i didn't actually like the story at all unfortunately but the thing i loved was getting in a separate narrator to do it because i'd always loved the companion chronicle narration in character and it always felt such a waste having the actors who play the companions narrate and they're doing it as just generic narrator voice i i think if all the early adventures had used a separate narrator instead of the actual companion actors i think i'd like the range a whole lot more and so I think losing the duration and going to the full cast format has been a brilliant idea. And I've loved the first set with the first Doctor and Dodo, and I'm really looking forward to the next. But as to going forward, I would like to see more of the other companions of the first Doctor brought back in. I think I think um, Stephen Newman and Lauren Cornelius have done a brilliant job, but I think it would be a shame if we only ever got first Doctor and Dodo stories going forward. I would love them to... Just throw in, I mean, Lauren Cornelius in the early adventures. She worked with Peter Purvis in Secrets of Death's End. So she's, I think they could use that to sort of bridge the gap between the two ranges. Don't just have Lauren Cornelius with just Stephen or with just the Doctor. Put the three together. Put Peter Purvis, Stephen Noonan, and Lauren Cornelius together and give us the first Doctor Stephen and Dodo story because I think. Dodo didn't really get much of a chance to shine on TV, obviously, and I think having her get to have a dynamic with Stephen and see what they're like together would be a wonderful opportunity. I'd really love to see that in future. And, of course, 
having just heard this Vicky and Steven's season, I would also love to hear them with Noonan or do Susan before an unearthly child with Noonan. I think I absolutely love the full cast idea, but yes, I miss the other companions. I, I love Dodo and, and I love the first Doctor, but yeah, I'm missing all those other companions at the moment and that's what I'd like to see going forward. See, in, in some respects, I'm kind of uh, on a, maybe not the opposite fence, but a different fence. It, it's, I really like um, the early adventures. I prefer full cast to um, the narrated stuff like the Companion Chronicle. Love the Companion Chronicles, you know, an absolutely fantastic range, produce some amazing stories. But I will always choose to listen to something like this over that, uh, just Completely personal preference. Um, I just find full cast. It does hold my attention better. It kind of it it's easier to follow. I find you know you haven't got one actor doing seven or eight different voices. Um, so yeah, I I really do enjoy the early adventures. Um, I wish there was more of them. I, I when they were first announced, I thought that four releases a year wasn't enough. Uh, they then cut it down to two releases a year and they only ever did an odd number so we got more First Doctor than we did Second Doctor. Unfortunately, I'll always feel that the Second Doctor is kind of uh, undersold slightly by this range but that's probably a conversation for another episode. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoy it. it. It sort of tells stories that maybe wouldn't have worked as Companion Chronicles. I don't think... Uh, Crash of the UK 201 would have worked as a companion chronicle. I don't think um, An Ordinary Life would. Uh, another exceptional story, one we've not mentioned yet. Um, however, I agree with you about the narration. I think that we should have had a distinct narrator uh, separate from the rest of the cast in every single one. In fact, it should have just been David Warner every time um, because... The Black Hole is excellent because David Warner is uh, narrating it. It, it. it really does add something else to it. Um, it feels like I'm being told a story and we're then dipping in and out of it, which with others, it doesn't so much. It's, you know, you have stories where Fraser Hines is narrating and playing Jamie and playing the Doctor more often than not all in the same scene. And... Fraser's excellent. Like, I really, really enjoy Fraser's second Doctor. Jamie's a fantastic character. But it's with the narration as well, it did just feel like a little bit too much. And that is something that I find in the Jamie Companion Chronicles. Um, no problem with the actor whatsoever. Just it's, it is a little bit disconcerting to follow, I guess. Um, but yeah, a, an extra, extra narrator or a, a separate from the cast narrator on each one, I think may actually have benefited it. It should have certainly been done more than once. I definitely have to jump in again and say same thing about narration. That's the other problem with the early adventures for me is that, I mean, Jamie, uh, his voice is so similar when he does the second Doctor that it can pass his full cast. But for me, um, William Russell and Peter Purvis, I love their portrayal in the Companion Chronicles because you're getting Ian and Stephen's view of the Doctor and so it makes sense that it sounds like their take on the Doctor. But you lose that conceit of the um, them being the narrator in the full cast and so their performances, they do a brilliant job of getting the story across but they don't sound like William Hartnell, you've got to face it. I mean, they can get his intonation or they can get the sort of rhythm of his speech but the actual sound is someone different and that works in the Companion Chronicles wonderfully for me, but it doesn't work so well in full cast, unfortunately. And so that's why I would love to hear Noonan work with these other companions. I, I think that a different First Doctor voice and them getting the chance to focus solely on their character would be best for everyone, I think. I I, I, I did quite like the range and, and the format for it. Um, I, I liked the sort of effect that they were going for with it, sort of aping the old soundtracks. Um, and I, I, I did, I, a lot of the range sort of lived and died on Peter Purvis for me. I think he was my favourite part about it. I liked his narrating voice. I like, I like his first Doctor. I don't think it's 
as spot on maybe as Fraser Hines' second Doctor is, but it's it's distinctive, it's recognisable, and it has a little bit of a charm all of its own to it. I really, really liked him um, in, in this range, and I, I miss it dreadfully now that it's, you know, seemingly not here anymore. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would... Well, I don't think they will. I would like to hear more early adventures in future. It's something I think I've missed an awful lot since they went away. Um, and, and you know, if we can have new Companion Chronicles box sets every now and then, don't really say, well, we can't have a few early adventures as well. Um, but we'll move on then just to the next week segment, um, which is we have a favourite each picked out from the other stories in the range with the first Doctor. Um, and we'll start with... Jimmy, and you had picked Daughter of the Gods. Tell us a little about why you like that one so much. I love the first Doctor era, and I love the second Doctor era. They're two of my top four Doctors. Hartnell's first, and Troughton is only just behind McCoy after Hartnell. And so hearing these two great eras that I love blended into a single one is just amazing. And it's basically the fifth anniversary story we never got. It's... Um, you know, bringing the two different eras together and showing how they jar and how they are similar as well. I I absolutely love this. I know I said that The Crash of the UK 201 is my favourite first Doctor audio, but that's because I think because this is, it's not just a first Doctor audio, it's a second Doctor audio as well. And so it's a bit of a different thing, but I think it handles both eras very well. I I think absolutely the, char- the two characters that come out best of it is actually the second Doctor and Katarina and I think, I mean, the story is named after the line about Katarina. I'll always remember as one of the daughters of the gods. And she is the absolute highlight of this story. It's a shame there's no gap for her to have a real story because, of course, this is a whole alternate universe, alternate timeline thing because I'm not sure of the pronunciation. As as a word, she does an amazing job of creating this character. I mean, the voice doesn't sound exactly the same, but the characterization and the, the style and the personality is it just absolutely shines through. It is an amazing performance and I can't speak highly enough of it. And yeah, every once again, a, a Dalek story where everyone gets put through the ringer. I mean, you'd think so soon after the Dalek occupation of winter and by the same author, you, you, you might've thought before it came out, well, I wonder how it's going to go, but he absolutely blitzed his previous story. I mean, Dalek occupation of winter was amazing, but daughter of the gods is even better. And yeah, I just love the whole dynamic between two separate TARDIS teams and pairing Jamie and Katarina and pairing Zoe and Stephen and pairing the two Doctors. They all got their chance to shine. And I just love at the end, the second Doctor, at first he seems like he's forgotten it all. And so I hate when that happens when, oh, it, it's all been forgotten at the end and no one remembers it. But in this one, you don't get that. You get, yeah, sure. The, the timeline resets, so the first Doctor, Stephen and Katarina didn't ever experience the story. Jamie and Zoe don't remember, but you get that bit at the end where the second Doctor's like, yes, Katarina, I will remember you. And it's just heartbreaking and beautiful. And she got this chance to actually live her life and start to experience a world outside the one she was born in and start to become more than she was and start to learn the Doctor's not a god, he's just a person. And I love that line that got repeated a couple of times about He's not a god, but he's a friend, and that can be more powerful. And I love power of friendship sort of stories, and that's a trope I really love. And hearing it said so firmly and just powerfully by the first Doctor, I it I absolutely loved it. It's I can't speak highly enough of this story. Every every single moment shines, and especially yeah, Katarina and the second Doctor. I mean, that's a pairing you would never have thought of before this story, and yet they handle it so well. I yeah a, a, another absolute favorite probably it's probably almost my equal favorite i'd say with crash of the uk 201 now that i think about it they're the two best first doctor audios for me and johnson is there anything you'd like to add about daughter of the gods only that it's absolutely exceptional um as jimmy said it's the the fifth anniversary special we never got it's it just works so well. It's such an interesting idea to kind of make more out of Katarina than the four episodes she was actually on screen for. Um, it, it's yeah, it, it's it's just a really nice, really good story. 
um, and a particularly effective use of the Daleks as well, I'd say. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really strong one. Um, you had a favourite picked out as well, I think. Uh, which was yours? Well, it's it, it's by no means a favourite, but it's it's one that I would uh, so I think is worth discussing, which is the first one, uh, Domain of the Vord. Um, it's it's just a proof of concept. It sort of immediately sets out exactly what the early adventures are going to be. It plays it safe. It's nice and traditional. I think chronologically, uh, it's probably actually Doctor Who's first sequel. Um, I think the only other contender would be Return to Scarrow. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a sequel to the Keys of Marinus that is very unlike the Keys of Marinus. It sidelines the Doctor for a huge chunk of the story. I think he's completely missing for episodes two and three, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's um, it allows us to focus on Ian and Susan, who are obviously the two characters that are played by their original members, their original cast members. Um, and we kind of find out later on that... Um, the Doctor's been off having his own story that we've not really seen uh, for the couple of episodes that he's missing. Um, and I quite like that. Like, if this story was made in the 60s, it would have been a six-parter, and we'd have got the two episodes of what the Doctor and Barbara were up to. But because this is Big Finish, it's audio, we're focusing on Caroline Ford and William Russell... It's a four-parter where the Doctor disappears and then kind of fills us in later on as to what he's been doing. Um, I like that. I think that works really nicely. And it's it's quite nice to have that sort of companions lost without the Doctor not really knowing what's going on. Really, we only actually get that in um, uh, the Massacre on screen where we do have two episodes of Stephen thinking the Doctor is dead with no Doctor in whatsoever. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the nearest thing I can compare it to, even though it's an immensely different story. It's a big, epic sci-fi war story, really. Um, excellent stuff about the Vord in there as well, sort of building on what was literally just a load of people running around in black swimsuits on screen. It gives them a history. It gives them uh, quite a sort of horrifying kind of origin and background. Um, it works really well. It's, at the end of the day, just a really solid nuts and bolts, fairly traditional Doctor Who story, but it's a great introduction to the range. It's not flawless, not by any means, but it really sort of sets out, this is what the early adventures are. This is what we're going to do with them. And I think that without it, maybe the range wouldn't have started off with such a good idea as to what it was going to be, because it's not the Companion Chronicles. It's noticeably different to the Companion Chronicles. And I think that setting that out in this story the way they did was very important. And Jimmy, is there anything you'd like to add about Domain of the Vord? I think... Johnston covered it very well. There's not really much more to say. I just absolutely agree. The The TARDIS team, the part that we did get to see, got to do a good job, and it was a good, solid, decent story. Nothing exceptional, but enjoyable. And, yeah, the highlight for me was definitely the Vord. I mean, they went from a sort of barely sketched-out race in the TV series that you don't know much, if anything, about, and they really fleshed them out, developed them, and did such a good job of it that it made them much more interesting and horrifying villains and so that was the thing I loved about it the story itself was above average but nothing spectacular but the way it handled the Ford was brilliant that's that's what I loved about it personally it's it's not actually one I've heard I I have tended whenever I've gone into these to go for Stephen and Vicky stories and um, because in that case you're getting a a complete team um and and um I, I haven't actually done too many of the William Russell narrated ones, and it's something I'm absolutely going to have to fix. I think I'm missing out on an awful lot in that regard, and it's, it's certainly something I'm going to uh, rectify in the near future. 
Um, but I think my favourite pick from the range would be the Sontarans because it takes a wee bit of an opportunity um, from the third Doctor recognising the Sontarans when he first meets them. Um, and we'll get a story here with the first Doctor. And what it does is it translates the Silurians back into a slightly more 60s feeling sort of mould. The um, Silurians? Not the Silurians, oh God. I don't remember that bit. (laughs) It's a missing episode. (laughs) First Doctor and Silurians. I want that one. That'd be good. (laughs) Right. Okay. Okay. Um, I think my favourite pick from the range would be the Sontarans. um, Because it's... The Famasi? Sorry. (laughs) You better be. (laughs) I don't remember the Famasi being in this. I'm going with it. I'm going with it. You mentioned <laughs> That bit with the bandrels, though, that was brilliant. It's the, uh, I, the joy of doing this off camera is I can make all the hand signals at the screen I like. <laughs> <laughs> Which is um, what a bandrel puppet operator did. Anyway, back to the axons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Behave yourselves. Um, so my favourite pick from the range would be the Sontarans, um, which uh, it, I, I, it, it has a wee bit of an opportunity because the third Doctor didn't recognise them when he first meets them. Um, so we get to have this story then with the first Doctor. Um, and it sort of translates them back into a more 60s sort of mould where they're presented more... Um, they still have their warrior, you know, uh, they're still presented as this, you know, fierce fearsome warrior race but there's a little bit of a scientific element to them here as well where the the Suntaran commander sort of takes an opportunity to interrogate Stephen but almost he doesn't go as far as to dissect him but it does feel like he's heading in that direction at some point he wants to learn more about humanity he wants to learn more about what makes humans tick and 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 learn you know sort of to, to, to glean strategic possibilities from that so that's really really well done um, and it's also a great story for Sarah because it brings her back in I was going to say it brings her back to her own time it doesn't, it's slightly before but she gets to bump into the Space Security Service again um, it's an event she's aware of from her own you know, from the history of her own time and so an event she's been taught about um, and it, it's great to hear her being able you know, sort of to interact with that all of that so I, I, I really like that one I think it's a very, very strong one um, is there anything either of you two would like to say about the Sontarans? For me, it was, I'd agree that it's a brilliant story, but once again, it's one of the ones where the not being a companion chronicle format sort of hurt it a bit because, I mean, Gene Marsh gives an amazing performance, but it works really well in the companion chronicles where she's playing that older version of Sarah Kingdom, but here she doesn't sound like a young Sarah Kingdom. Like, I mean... Some of the 60s companions have just recaptured their voice perfectly. Like, I think Jamie and Stephen are the main ones, but I'd also argue for Zoe and Polly. But, you know, Jean Marsh doesn't sound like Sarah Kingdom anymore, unfortunately. And the script is great and her performance is great, but I can't buy it as full cast. It, it doesn't feel right. So, yeah, I loved the story. I think it was brilliantly written, brilliantly acted, but... It was also kind of jarring for me, unfortunately, and I get that's my problem as a listener and me taking things the wrong way, but I can't help that. And so it's one tiny mark that hurts this otherwise exceptional story for me, unfortunately. I oh, sorry. Um, I think that it's, it's just low-key genius this story really taking a well-established Doctor Who monster that never appeared in the 60s and giving them their first ever 60s appearance um obviously the title the Sontarans reflects that it's like the Daleks um it's it's great it's such a great idea and this story does do that justice the only thing that's kind of a shame is that um is it Sarah? Sarah already knows who the Sontarans are, and actually, I'd have quite liked 
the sort of mystery of what are these alien creatures to have been played out a little bit. So it's the first time the Doctor has encountered them, but not the first time the companions have. And actually, that sort of initial discovering things about the race for the first time is perhaps something this story could have played with. But instead, we have characters who know that the weaknesses are probic vents and that they're a clone species and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a great concept and it's executed really well. And actually, I'd like them to do this kind of story with other monsters, uh, Silurians, for example. I, I'd also have to say, I one thing I forgot to mention and what you were saying reminded me was the other, the other thing I really like about the Sontarans is at the end when they tie it back into the Daleks' master plan and you have that little scene of the Daleks being on their way to follow the Doctor again because, I mean... We've had a lot of great Sarah Kingdom stories across both the Companion Chronicles and the early adventures, and obviously I assume they would have known or at least suspected that Gene Marsh wouldn't be coming back, and so I like that they put a sort of capstone to the era and sort of said, this is the end of that gap. They've had all these lovely extra adventures slotted into the Daleks' master plan, but that can't go on forever, and I think acknowledging it in story and giving it an actual ending is something that I really liked and I'm really glad they did that. I mean, some people would probably say, oh, it's a bit fanish, tying back in, blah, blah, blah. But for me, I loved that and I think it was absolutely the right decision and it's one of the things I really liked about the ending of the story. And then uh, my last question for you both then is, um, what would you like to, so Jimmy had mentioned earlier, what would you like to see from... 60s Doctor Who at Big Finish in future. Um, what what sort of stories? What sort of range? You know, what what would you like Big Finish to do with this era of Doctor Who going forward? I think I've I've already said the sort of that I'd like to hear the other companions back more. But the other thing I'd have to say is most of the Doctors are now getting two box sets a year, and the Hart, well Hartnell slash Noonan, the first Doctor, is only getting a single box set a year, and I think regardless of what they do with it, whether they do one box set Dodo, one box set other companions, or Dodo and Steven, whether they do, even if they did two Dodo box sets, whatever, I don't care what what you do with it, but do more. One box set a year isn't enough. I mean, the first Doctor's my favourite Doctor, and I love his era so much, and every new story is a joy, but I I would really like to see more of them coming along rather than waiting a full year for just one box set of two stories. And uh, Johnson, is there anything in particular you would like to see from 60s Who in future? I mean, I think one word answer, more. I agree with Jimmy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's we don't get enough 60s Doctor Who at Big Finish. There was a point where we were getting maybe sort of 9, 10 out of 12 Companion Chronicles per year. Uh, but it just feels as though we're getting very, very little 60s era Who at the moment, and I would like to see from both Doctors, first and second, I would like more. No, that's absolutely fair. I, I definitely would be on board with that as well. I think something they've possibly mentioned that they're going to do, or they've, they've, they've mentioned in passing that there's going to be something coming up with the original 60s companions, Um and I don't know what that is. My my go-to speculation is it's probably going to be maybe like a full cast take on the Companion Chronicles or, or some of the framing stories from those where we're going to get full cast sequels to, um, you know, or, or, or follow-ups. Something that's maybe in the vein of the collection set trailers where we get we pick up on a Companion years after their time. So we might get, you know, Jamie living out his life um, in Scotland, we might get Zoe somewhere out in space. Um, um, you know, to, to sequels with the companions older, um, more as the actors are now. Um, in the same sort of way we're getting with Joe Jones in the new Third Doctor Adventure set, um, which is due out soon. Um, I think that's my most wanted case, or you know, my my most wanted best case scenario sort of thing. Um, but but I I definitely agree with you. I would like a lot more than they're currently doing with the first and second doctors, um, and and uh, agree with the the sentiment of more please. Um, but that is all we have time for. Then uh, thank you both very very much for coming on. Um, and I, we'll, we'll maybe do something 
soon or soonish for the second Doctor stories in this range. Um, but uh, thank you very much to Jimmy. It's been a pleasure, and hopefully we'll do a similar podcast to this about the Companion Chronicle first Doctor stories now that we've done the early adventures. That's something I'd like to do in future, so hopefully I'll see you both for that. Excellent idea. And thank you very much as well, Johnson. Thank you. And uh, thank you all very, very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back for more podcasting next week. Goodbye. <laughs>